Hello everyone and welcome to the Strength Actually podcast. My name is Lindsay and I'll be your host. This podcast is a safe, judgment-free space where we'll be unpacking the typically patriarchal narrative around strength and asking, what does it really mean to be strong? I'll be bringing you big sister energy to answer the questions you've always wanted to ask but have felt too scared or intimidated to. We'll be covering everything from strength physically to strength in relationships, parenting and times of hardship. No question is off limits. This week we're talking about navigating strength training when you're afraid of getting bigger, how to get your partner on board with making exercise your non-negotiable and cultivating a culture of body confidence for your kids. Let's get into it. Hey Lindsay, I really want to get into strength training. I know it will be good for me, especially as I approach my 40s, but I'm really scared I'll get bulky. I want to do this for my health, but I just can't seem to ditch the fear around my body getting bigger. Help. This is such a common fear. So you are absolutely not alone in this. I know I say that a lot, but I really want you to know that you are not alone and that I have worked with thousands of women and that I have a lot of women in my life who are my friends and that this is a very, very common fear. And when I think about it, I think that it's, it comes from that narrative that teaches us that our bodies are our whole worth in this world. That narrative that teaches us that the smaller we are, the slimmer we are, the better we look in society's eyes, then the better our lives will be and the more people will like us and the happier we will feel. Because that is what we've been portrayed in the media and the conditioning that we've faced in our lives for most of our lives. And it's really no wonder that we think this way. I want to start by addressing strength training and the amazing thing that you have touched on in your question, which is just how incredible strength training is for women and just how incredible it is for us as we age. And the reason for that is because lifting loads or lifting or resistance training really helps us with the reduction of bone density that we face as we age the loss of muscle mass that we face it helps us with the things that we're going to start to go through or are or are already going through like menopause it supports us to have better balance coordination strength both physically and mentally to have better resilience to be impacted less by falls to be injured less to be able to get up and down from the floor it gives us so many things and I really want to thank you for highlighting that because it is such an important modality of exercise and I agree with you it will be so good for you. So with all of that in mind I want to talk about this fear of getting bulky. Now I don't have tons of context but I am going to make an assumption here that you're worried that you're going to look really muscular maybe like a bodybuilder And what I want to say about that is that with respect to people who are bodybuilders, that takes a hell of a lot of work. Like nobody accidentally looks like that. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of specific training in a specific way and very, very specific nutrition. So in order to look that muscular and that lean, it's real true effort. 
And unless you are becoming a bodybuilder or going going into bodybuilding shows or that you have that particular goal in mind, it's absolutely 100%, I promise you, not going to happen by accident. That being said, your body might get bigger. You're going to be building lean muscle mass when you lift heavy things. So your body might change. For example, your butt might get bigger. Your thighs might get bigger. You might find that you go up a bra size because your back gets bigger. However, what I want to challenge is this belief that we have that bigger is bad. Bigger is not bad. And you deserve to take up space. You deserve to feel strong. And what I would say is when, you're, when you start your strength training journey, think about how it makes you feel. Regularly check in with yourself. How do I feel? Am I feeling good? Am I feeling strong? Am I feeling powerful? Am I getting all these benefits that I wanted to get that I know are going to give me a better quality of life? Yes. Have I got bigger? You might also be answering yes. Is that a bad thing? Do I still feel bad about that? And I know that it's a very real fear about our bodies changing and I am not dismissing that and I'm also not judging it. And it's also your body which you are allowed to change in whatever way that you want. But what I would say is that the benefits of strength training vastly outweigh what might happen if your body gets bigger. And what will happen if your body gets bigger is that your body will get bigger. And that is it. Nothing else will happen. If other people have opinions, it's not their body. They don't get to have opinions on your body. They can they can formulate the opinion, but you don't have to hear it. It's about you and how you feel. And I don't know anyone who has started a strength training journey and has stopped because they got bigger and they didn't feel good. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but I'm saying that what you'll find is that those benefits that strength training gives you, that power and that strength that you feel, the way that your life becomes easier, the way that you can navigate things in a better way, the more empowered you feel is going to vastly outweigh what your body looks like. And it's really hard to get your head around that before you get into it. But I would keep coming back to that why. And you've told me it. The why is you want to train for your older body. You want to train for what life is going to throw at you as you start to age. And that why has real integrity and it, and it's really important. And coming back to that all the time, like, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I want to have longevity of life. And when those little demons start to creep in, oh, but your, your, your trousers are getting a bit tight around your thighs. Your thighs are getting bigger. Yeah, my thighs are getting bigger and they're powerful as shit. And I love that. And I've just squatted my body weight and I feel like an absolute badass. I want you to do this person who's asked this question who I do not know I want you to do this I want you to step into strength training with a reputable coach and I want you to feel the magic and the power that it brings to your life and I would love to hear how it goes for you you got this queen hey Lindsay I'm finding that my daughter is becoming body obsessed she is eight and I've heard her mention that she doesn't want to get fat or even talk about eating less to stay slim I've worked so hard to be body neutral around her and it breaks my heart to hear her say these things. What can I do to stop diet culture taking hold and ruining her confidence? (sighs) Mama, I feel this. I really, really feel it. And reading your question, I also felt heartbroken and I can relate. It is awful, especially when you have tried really hard to be body neutral 
around your children, it is really, truly heartbreaking to hear them start to mention things that you know are coming from that diet culture narrative about their bodies. So first of all, I just want to recognise that and I want to let you know that it is incredible that you are starting from this place. You have laid this foundation already. You've thought about being body neutral around your child, whether that's due to your own past experience or what you know about the impact that diet culture has on us and our sense of self-esteem. I think that it's amazing that you have already thought about that. So give yourself massive credit of that and know that all is not lost. Unfortunately, what happens with children is we can nurture these really safe, inclusive, supportive environments at home. But then when they go out into the world and they start hearing other people's opinions, especially and particularly when they go to school and it goes from you being their whole world to, oh, there are other people that I want to, that I want to like me or, oh, I want, I want to be in with this crowd. So I'm going to start listening to what they're saying. And, you know, that's life. Like we cannot wrap our children up in cotton wool and stop them from hearing anything that might influence them negatively. So Please don't beat yourself up about that because that's really common and that is what happens in life and it is a hard lesson to learn and I felt it when it happened to me too. However, there are some things that you can do. I would have open conversations that are judgment-free and that hold space for her to be able to talk about why she's feeling the way that she's feeling. So typically the response that I had for a long time whenever this came up in our house was fat isn't a bad word. Why are you saying that? Fat isn't a bad word. There's nothing wrong with being fat. Don't and I would get really triggered myself because I had also tried really hard to be body neutral around my child. What I'm trying to do now is to say that's interesting. Tell me a bit more about that. Tell me a bit more about why you don't want to be fat. Tell me a little bit more and I'm I'm trying to invoke honest, open conversations. And what I might hear is because we heard at school that when you're fat, your thing bad things might happen to your body. And then I have somewhere to go with the conversation. And I can say, okay, I've got a really good resource or I saw this thing on YouTube that I would love to share with you. It is all about how all bodies are different and how fat isn't actually a bad word and we can't actually tell someone's health just by looking at their body or hey why don't we read that book we've been reading recently about how all bodies are different and then you can really tap into some time together and you can have a conversation that doesn't feel like it's full of judgment and like your child is being dismissed for how they feel which means that you're then more likely to be able to educate them about body neutrality and about how fat isn't a bad word and about how all bodies are different rather than getting into a back and forth argument or a defensive conversation that doesn't really leave room for that education to happen and ultimately ends up isolating you further and potentially pushing them closer to those negative beliefs that they've started to get a bit wrapped up in. When it comes to the whole eating less thing, saying things like, oh, um, I'm really excited to go climbing at the weekend. Do you know that protein is a building block for your muscles in your body? So it helps you to get bigger muscles, which means see that um, climbing wall that you couldn't get to the top of. If you eat more of this chicken, that's going to really help you do that. 
So you're sort of engaging their interests and you're helping them to understand that what food is for and that it's going to give them the goodness that they want in their life. And you're staying away from how it makes your body look. It's really, really tough. And I, by no means, am an expert in childhood psychology or navigating these situations. But those are some of the things that have worked for us. Recognising that they are going to hear these opinions because it is everywhere. And the things that my son has come home and said that I know have potentially come from a parent and how they're talking about themselves and then how their child has heard them. It's really hard not to get angry with people for influencing your child. What I try to do is channel compassion. Compassion for that parent who is potentially feeling that way about their body and understand that that is coming from an oppressive system and that that is not on them. And then just taking the time to teach my child that you're going to hear a variety of different opinions But what you want to always come back to is your anchors. What are the things that you truly believe and the things that you have grown to learn and understand in your life so far? And we talk a lot in our house about what bodies can do rather than what bodies look like. And we're really, really particular about making sure that we don't fall into those typical negative habits and sentences and conversations that just sometimes roll off the tongue and that we maybe didn't question before. So we're really confident in calling each other in, we call it in our house, about that. So if I say something, then my husband might say to me, I don't think that's the kindest way to speak about that person. And we don't know for certain that all people who are women or all people who live in fat bodies are like that. And I will do the same for him. And it just creates this open conversation. And it also helps our son to see that it's okay to question other people's beliefs and opinions. And the hope is with that, that they will hold on to their own integrity and their own confidence and that they will understand that they don't have to follow every opinion and that they can come back to their home, back to their opinions. It's a really tough one and there are lots and lots of resources out there. I'll put some of them in the show notes because they have been super helpful for me. Hey Lindsay, how do I get my partner who is male on board with supporting me to get to the gym? He's a great husband and father, but we seem to have gotten into this typical setup where he has much more freedom than I do. I even find myself feeling guilty if he has to miss his gym or golf sessions. I know how important exercise is for me, and with children, I feel like all I do is parent and clean. I know I need to make exercise non-negotiable, but it won't happen without him being on board. Help. First of all, I want to say that you are not alone in this. This is something that is super common and it comes from the patriarchal oppressive system that teaches us that women should be responsible for the bulk of the child rearing and domestic labour and that men are the ones who go out and do the paid work. And I say that in inverted commas, the ones who go out and earn the bread and that in exchange for that, they can have a little bit more freedom. Also, when we're in that dynamic, what happens is we become the main caregiver for the children. So we are the one that the children go to more often for things. And therefore, it becomes easier to have more freedom when you're not expected to 
answer the kids' calls, do the things that they want, get all the things for them, be solely responsible for them. That doesn't mean that your partner is a bad person, but they've fallen in to that hamster wheel, that patriarchal hamster wheel, that cycle that's really hard to get off of. What I would say is this comes down to communication, open and honest communication and ask first of all if you've spoken about it and if you've mentioned to your partner that it feels like they have a lot more freedom than you do. That for me would be the first step and that's definitely the conversation that we had actually before we had children was that I didn't want to get into a situation where it was expected of me to be a stay-at-home mum and that's no disrespect to people who choose to be stay-at-home mums but that wasn't something that I wanted to do and I didn't want us to get into a situation where it would be expected of me to take care of the domestic labour or the bulk of the domestic labour and the bulk of the child rearing. So conversations start there. I once had a really interesting conversation with someone who said that they had read a study or they had come across some information about how typically one partner might feel like they are doing just as much as the other because they visually haven't seen both columns of work measured up next to each other. And I thought it was really interesting because for a long time, myself and my husband, we had this back and forth of competitiveness as to who does more or, but I do this, so you should do that. And it made for a really difficult household. And I'm not saying that things should be levelled out or should be divided up on a, I do the dishes, so you do the hoovering. I do the cooking, so you do the cleaning. I'm not saying it should be like that because that actually isn't fair. If you are at home looking after the children all day and your partner is at work, Yes, they're at work, but at work there are legal requirements that you get time to yourself, that you get breaks from your desk, that you get time to have your food, have your lunch. These are legal requirements. And yeah, I understand a lot of people are under a lot of pressure. They don't actually take those breaks, but they are built into your day. Whereas when you're at home looking after your children, there's no one making sure that you comply with the with legal requirements to have a break there's no one making sure that your workload is covered so that you can go to the toilet there's very little you actually get to do on your own so it's not an equal comparison to say well I've been at work all day and you've just been at home because you haven't just been at home looking after children is not just being at home doing nothing it is work it's unpaid labor and it is work and it is tiring and it is exhausting. So don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that you should measure up against each other and see who does more. But I'm just saying that it makes for a very interesting conversation to sit down and write down what you both feel like you do or that you're responsible for. And then have a look at those and talk to each other about it and talk to each other about how that feels and how you can support each other through it. I found it very useful and I found it very insightful and I know that my husband found it very insightful to see the things that I was thinking about on a daily basis, the mental load that I was carrying that he just was completely unaware of. And so we put practices in place to remove that mental load as my sole responsibility because at the end of the day we're a partnership and we're a team and we've chosen to bring up a child together and it's important that both of our needs get met.
within that conversation you can talk about how you're not getting enough time for yourself or even if you are getting enough time for yourself you're not getting the time that you need to exercise and that is really really important we know that exercise brings us so many things it brings us joy it helps with our hormones it helps with our mood it helps with our physical strength our mental our emotional resilience it gives us community a sense of connection it helps us feel like ourselves it gives us a sense of success and achievement it helps with the aging process it helps us live longer there are so many things that exercise gives us and it's really really important that you get access to that on a regular basis so i would definitely start with an open and honest conversation I am not getting the time that I need to exercise and I'm not saying that that is your fault but within our household or within our setup we have got ourselves into a situation where it feels like I am at the bottom of the pile when it comes to priorities and I want to move that up and make it a non-negotiable. I would have a look at your life across a month and think right when would I want to exercise? When would be the ideal time for me Is there a gym class that I want to go to? Is there a dance class I want to go to? Do I prefer to work out at home? What is my ideal setup? I would get super clear on that first. And then I would have that conversation and say, there is a gym class, there's a gym I want to join. It has classes three times a week or 7 a.m. Or let's, for example, say that's when you want to train. Um, On those days, can you start later at work so that I can get to the gym and back? Or On those days, I would like you to be responsible for taking the kids to school so that I can get back and start my day job. Whatever your unique setup is, and just make sure that it's super clear that this has to become a non-negotiable for you and that it's going to become a non-negotiable for you because you are important. You matter, your health matters, just for you as a human, but also as someone who is nurturing and bringing up children and someone who is part of a family unit, it's really, really important that your needs are met so that you can be there for your family too. So open and honest communication always. Have that belief in yourself that you are worthy of this non-negotiable time. Like you've said in your message, your partner gets that non-negotiable time. Or you've got yourself into a situation maybe where he's saying, do you mind if I go? And you're saying, well, he really needs that time for himself. So you're valuing him enough to say that he is deserving of that time. And he is, as we all are as humans. So give that back to yourself too and say, right, this is going to be my time. And no matter what, we are going to make sure that all barriers are removed as much as possible so that I still get this time. So for example, if he If your time is going to be a Tuesday evening, he knows every single Tuesday he has to be home on time from work. There is no negotiating that. There is no, oh, I'm eating ran over. If anything like that is going to happen, it has to be in an emergency situation and you have to be given advance notice, not 10 minutes before he's due to be home. So it takes for both of you to take this really, really seriously and to make sure that you are both valuing your time And make sure that you've got a plan in place before you go into that conversation of what it is that you want to do, because that makes it much more that makes it much easier to work out and to get clear on and to get into the nitty gritty of it, to really book it into the diary and make sure that it's going to happen. I hope that helps. 
please let us know how you get on and if there's anything else that I can do to support you because I am super passionate about making sure that women, mothers in particular, get time for themselves to exercise. Wonderful humans, that is all we have time for today. I want to thank you so much for joining me here on the Strength Actually podcast, for submitting your questions and for daring to be vulnerable. It means so much to me to have you here and I cannot wait to hear what you ask next week. If you'd love to drop me a question, you can do so via the link in the show notes. And until next time, stay strong, friends.